<clears throat> Welcome, good afternoon. It is Saturday at three o'clock Central Time. So what that means is you are listening to Carolyn Markle Hammond on the Every Woman radio show at 90.1 FM KKFI, Kansas City Community Radio. This episode that I hold uh, close to my heart and love to host is every third Saturday, and it's called Intentionally Fearless. Now, what does it mean to be intentionally fearless? We work really hard to uncover people's superpower. And that superpower, it's the thing that makes you you. And when you finally own your talent, that superpower cape fits better, you fly further, and you positively impact your own life first, and then create the change that you want to be in the world. Today, we have a very special guest. Her name is Morgan Mellis. And Morgan Mellis works at the advertising agency called Neon. Now, Neon is an IPG health partner, and they work in New York City. But the cool thing about Morgan, and I'm going to let her introduce herself, is I think for ad agencies, people can have this impression of madmen, right? Like it's a male-dominated field. So we're going to be talking about that with Morgan. But mainly, Morgan is one of the most cool people I've gotten to know in the past couple of years. You never know where she's going to show up in the world. You, she's on Instagram and you're like, oh, well, okay, she's in another city. Even my kids have gotten to be the point. They're like, hey, where's Morgan at? Because it's become a Hammond family joke of where, where's Morgan gone? And I think, Morgan, you've been the inspiration for a couple of my kids just deciding, well, we can take off and do that. And so they have. So, which is good. As a mom, you know, I want them out spreading their wings, but you've been a big topic of conversation in our family. And getting to talk to you today is just a, a treat. So I'm going to turn it over to you and let you do your own introduction. And then we'll kind of jump into your superhero powers. Awesome. That sounds good. Well, first of all, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I've heard great things and I'm so excited to be on your list. So that's, first of all, just wanted to say that. Um, but yeah, it's actually really funny that you said the where in the world is Morgan these days, because there's a running joke in a bunch of my group chats with my friends separately that they've all come up with. Then they start calling me um, Carmen San Diego. Like, <laughs> yeah, Carmen, where are you at today? And I'm like, I'm, I don't even know. I couldn't tell you half the time. So it's definitely a recurring theme now that I'm getting that, which is kind of funny. Um, I love yeah, that. <laughs> like you said, I started my advertising career in New York at Neon and um with all the unfortunate things that have gone down with COVID, the one silver lining for me is our work from home situation. So um, about two years ago now, they sent everybody home from the office and we never went back. Um, and after living in my parents' basement for a couple months, I was like, this isn't going to work. Uh, yeah. And then decided to just kind of strike out and explore. And growing up in, in high school and college with my friends, a lot of us would be like, we should go on an RV trip and we should drive across the country and do whatever but as what happens with girl groups and friend groups half the time it's like people are just doing their own thing and we can never really get the planning down so I decided to just do it on my own and I pulled the trigger and headed on out and for the past actually I was talking to somebody about it today and I think it's the past 12 months I've lived in 12 states so I've been doing a, a state in every for every month and just kind of exploring and seeing what's out there so it's been a little crazy but it's been very cool at the same time I love that. Okay, so I have a couple of questions around that. 
Um, first of all, you post such amazing pictures <laughs> on Instagram. And I don't know if you want people to follow you, but if you do, please tell people how they can follow you. So um, I'll, I'll have you address that. How do you take those fabulous pictures? Because you're taking pictures where you're hiking up the top of a mountain and the picture is the full image. And I think, how does she do that? So how do you do it? And how can people follow your adventures? Yeah, it's actually funny. So I, behind every one of those pictures, there's a group album with my parents. That's like 800 other photos that didn't get posted that are just not good. Uh, so believe me, it's, it's a little bit of a process, but uh, the first couple of states that I went to, I actually had an older iPhone and then I came home for Christmas and was gifted the newest iPhone, which has like the three cameras and it's like this crazy processing power in it. And and everybody jokes because they're like, oh, made on iPhone, whatever. But I mean, the pictures are pretty quality and it saves me a lot of headache having to carry around like a real camera or anything like that. So mm-hmm. it's really just iPhone photos zoomed out as far as possible and so a little bit of editing here and there. And honestly, the beauty of the places kind of speaks for itself. So it's just me pointing and shooting for the most part. But yeah, um, it's just a kind of a side project, passion project that I do. Um, and it's on Instagram. It's Morgan Mellis Photography, I believe. There's an underscore in there somewhere. But um, it's nothing super special, but it's definitely like a little bit of a blog for myself to remember where I've been. So <laughs> I love it. It's inspiring a lot of people. I always, I've shown friends, I've shown everybody like, look how cool she is. Um, and <laughs> just so everybody knows it's M O R G A N. And did you say underscore? Uh, yeah, it's Morgan Mellis, one word. So Morgan M-O-R-G-A-N-M-E-L-L-A-S underscore photography. So just pitching myself right now. (laughs) No, that's good. We want the, you know, if we're going to talk about it, I want the people to be able to find you because I think that's so important right now, especially after COVID, people are looking at life, or I think in my humble opinion, they should be going, what can I blow up? Like, what can I change about how I've lived my life when I suddenly have the freedom to do it? And you're doing it. And it's an amazing example for people to be able to follow in big and small ways. I mean, it doesn't have to be that they decide to live a month in every state, but it could be they make small changes that lead to huge changes within their own lives. So I think it's inspirational. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> well, how do you pick the states? Uh, it's been a bit of a process either way. So I just did it. I'm calling it my East Coast tour. Um, so <laughs> I did Alabama, North Carolina, South Carolina over the past couple months. And those were within driving distance kind of, of home, which is the tri-state New York, Connecticut area. Um, but when I did my West Coast tour over the, earlier this year and a little bit of last year, uh, I would actually just rental car. And that was like, that's like the biggest expense of it, unfortunately, is um, trying to find a rental car for a month. You do get to good discounts usually, but it's a, it's a bit of a process so that if anybody is trying to do it, I would say try and drive yourself or find a good discount. But um, yeah, that's what I've been doing is rental carring across the country, Airbnb, and just kind of popping from place to place as best as possible. And then I'll fly home and then I'll fly back out. And <laughs> it's, it's a matter of being very flexible and kind of trying to balance the scales of what I would be paying for rent in a tiny apartment in Manhattan with mm-hmm. a rental car and an Airbnb in the mountains of Montana. So I'll take what I can get. <laughs> exactly. I know I we missed each other in Montana, I think just by a few days, which was yeah, very unfortunate. I think it was like a day and we yeah. were 
just far enough that I couldn't make it back. <laughs> I know, I know. And it was far, just far enough for me that there was no way I could get to where you were. So um, yeah, I'm hoping that we cross. You can always stop through, you know, and touch base. There's always a space for you in Kansas City. So um, I'll add it to my list for sure. <laughs> please do, please do. We have really good bourbon and really good uh, burnt ends. So it might be a plus. Yeah, what else do you need, honestly? <laughs> <laughs> exactly, truth. And I have a dog you can snuggle. So it's all good. So talk to me a little bit about if you are going to identify what you think comes naturally to you, because I think sometimes with a superpower, people, what it is, is something they do naturally, but they don't realize how incredible it is because it comes naturally to them. And so I'm just kind of curious when you think of your own strengths and superpowers, where do you come out on that as the possibilities? I I think that it's like a little bit nuanced, but I would say probably my adaptability. Um, and I don't mean that necessarily in like, oh, a plan changes and I can just like go do a new thing, which is part of it. But I think right. it's kind of the idea that I'm able to find a comfort zone for myself in like most situations. Um, and by comfort zone, I don't mean like, oh, I like feel safe here, which is part of it, but it's more so the idea that like, I will push myself out of that comfort zone and then find a way to then work with it. And like, I feel comfortable and I'm confident in myself um, to be successful. Um, and, you know, plans change, things happen. I go to a new place and it's not what I expected. It's then not like the world crumbling around me. It's okay. What do we do next? So I think it's that kind of like get the plan, adapt, move on. I think I've kind of always been like that in some ways, but especially with the past year or so of traveling and, really being out on my own, it's, it's do or die. Like you've got to figure it out for yourself. And I think that has definitely probably come to fruition in the past year, like just kind of adapting to what works and finding a space where I'm like, I feel good here and I can work with it. If that makes sense. <laughs> it does. It makes great sense. Do you think that that's something that you learned that you honed that skill over time? Or do you think you were born with elements of it and it just more cemented itself within you as you grew up? I think, I think the latter probably, I mean, I have very much a type A personality in some ways where I love a list and I love a process. Uh, so I think there's always that aspect of things, but there's like also that duality where I'm the second child. And a lot of times it was like, we're doing this today and then plans would change and we'd be doing something else. And I'd be like, okay, cool. Like even growing up, my mom would say that all the time. She'd be like, yeah, you kind of just like went with the flow and we would figure it out. And it wasn't ever like a huge meltdown. Um, so I think, yes, growing up, it probably was a little bit of that. Like you're along for the ride at some point, but, um, I think as I've become an adult and just navigated, you know, different friend groups, life events, like college, high school and things like that, it's like, you kind of have to find your own happiness and figure out what works for you. So it's a matter of, you know, doing the thing that makes you happy, but also getting out there and trying a new thing. And if that doesn't work, then try something else and keep going until you find that. So that's kind of like the life mantra, I guess. And for the most part, my parents and my family and, you know, support systems of friends along the way are kind of like always there. So that's always a nice thing to have that safety net to figure out like what works for you. And then you always know that they're, they're encouraging you to get there too. So there's a little bit of all of that kind of wrapped into one, I think. I love that. You said something really great, which was try something. And if it doesn't work, try something else. And I think so often, at least in some experiences, well, a good chunk of experiences with people, it's been definitely 
a pre-established goal arbitrarily set by yourself that then you do not achieve. And then you are holding yourself accountable to this goal as if everyone else in the world knows that goal and you feel like a failure instead of going, you know, I tried that. It didn't work. What did I learn? And how am I going to pivot on the next time? So I loved how you did that because I think that leads to growth and opportunity versus trauma and crawling in a hole and feeling like a failure. And all it is, is a mindset. Yeah. And kind of like jumping off of that too. I think part of it is that also there is that mindset of like, if you know, say you're training for a marathon. Like if you don't tell anybody you're training for the marathon, nobody can be disappointed if you don't do it. But for the most part, if you're surrounded by friends and good people and family and stuff, they're going to be supportive of you either way. Like there will be so stoked if you run this marathon, but if you can't, they're going to be like, okay. Exactly. It's not the end of the world, but like we get in our own heads of like, everybody's going to judge me. Like they think that I can't do it, blah, blah, blah. But really like, it is what it is. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So we're going to pick up on that. Um, we're, we're going to take a little bit of a break here. I am, was completely negligent at the top of the hour to not call out our amazing engineer, Kate Redmond, one of my favorite women in my life. She's just such a treasure. So Kate is going to take us out of this segment and we're going to do a break. And when we come back, I'd love to pick up where we were talking and expand on How did you navigate that as you decided your career choices and what was the most important part of your adaptability as you got into the advertising world as a new hire and a new graduate? So thanks so much for joining us today, Morgan. I appreciate it. This is Carolyn Markle-Hammond, and you're listening to the Intentionally Fearless radio show on the Every Woman Station. We're here every third Saturday of the month. Kate, thank you so much for taking us into that break. I really appreciate your effort and your intelligence here with us at the Intentionally Fearless radio show, which is an episode of Every Woman. And we at Intentionally Fearless are here on every third Saturday at 3 p.m. Central Time. Today's guest is Morgan Mellis. Now, if you want to follow Morgan on Instagram, you can do so at Morgan, M-O-R-G-A-N, Mellis, M-E-L-L-A-S underscore photography and follow her adventures as she travels the world. And I should say currently in the United States and travels from month to month from different state as she's been working her job within advertising and uh, especially after they were allowed to work from home. So what we're going to do is start to talk about Morgan's journey and her superpower, which is what we discuss and Intentionally Fearless is the ability to be adaptable, to have that confidence. And it doesn't have to be a big, bold, marching band level of confidence. It's a quiet confidence where she can adapt herself to any situation, look at it, pivot. If it didn't work, create change, start again. So Morgan, my question to you is knowing that about yourself, that's what we talked about in the first part. What do you think has been the biggest part as you we're graduating from, from your school and, and you were making the choice on career and then to land at a major advertising agency. Yeah, it's actually funny now that you put all those things together. I'm like, oh, I'm following a pattern in my life, I think. Um, because in college, I didn't really know like the classic, like, I don't know what I want to do. I'm just doing kind of general English major and then figure it out. And eventually my mom was like, you should do marketing. Like you're very creative. You have the English background. I'd love to read. So just like put those things together and do something with it. So went into marketing, graduated with a degree in marketing and an, um, a secondary degree, well, a minor in English, not a secondary degree. But um, <laughs> I went from there and graduated 
and I had no idea what I wanted to do again. Uh, so essentially my aunt is actually in the industry and she reached out and she was like, I had some internships got like lined up, but nothing really was quite working what I wanted to do. And she reached out and she was like, just get your foot in the door somewhere and do something. And I was like, okay. So she helped me get my foot in the door at Neon actually got me an interview. Very nice of her. Um, and it was actually in a completely different department than what I'm doing now. So it was in project management um, at Neon and they're called um, integrated producers, which just means that they essentially do timelines, budgets, things like that, and keep the team running smoothly. Uh, so I worked as an IP for like two years and change, I think. So that really, I loved it to some degree where I was just, you know, plugging numbers in and timelines and just making sure that everything was very in line and organized. And that part of me, it was very fulfilled. Um, but I also spent a lot of time like doodling and sketching and getting more and more involved in the creative side of things. And the head of the company at the, at the time actually like walked by my desk, saw it just covered in like sticky notes of sketches and doodles and whatever. And was like, why are you not on the creative side? Like, let's make that happen. Um, and it was like a very, very cool, thing where, you know, I was like, okay, yeah, let's do it. So ended up having to teach myself a lot of the Adobe suite pro, uh, programs. So like Photoshop, InDesign, Tools of the Trade, um, and worked super closely with my friend, Sam, who, um, you know, and I think has been on the show before. Yeah, so. Sam was on the show, gosh, maybe about two or three, well, even longer. I think she was back in February or March, Sam was on. Yeah, she's a dear friend of mine. So she helped me kind of get my foot in the door of the creative side and kind of was a mentor to me. Um, in the transition process and eventually I switched over to the art side of things and uh, I'm an art director I've been there for I guess two years now on this side of things and um, it was definitely the right move but again it kind of speaks to that you know just saying yes when opportunities come across your plate seeing what works making yourself learn the skills to get there and if it didn't work then I could have probably gone back or I would have just done something else (laughs) it, it did work luckily so it's been a good time since but yeah a lot of that kind of all rolls into the story, I guess. Yeah, that's, uh, so I'm curious when you are doing that or and you're adapting and you're meeting new people and then you're changing if something doesn't work, do you have a, a certain way that you like to connect with people that you keep in contact with them so that as your career evolves and their career evolves and everybody's pivoting, you can stay in contact so those random beautiful moments keep happening where someone says, hey, you would probably be great at this. Yeah, I think to some degree, so on some levels, yes, and on some levels, not as much where I think people, not everybody, but me, I think we kind of like start to grow into different spheres and it's like, oh, I'll connect with you, shoot you a one-off email every once in a while and just to say, hi, we're all still here. How is it going? But like, there's not a constant direct mentorship one-to-one thing, but a lot of my friends in the agency itself have like moved to different agencies and come back and bounced around and stuff. And those relationships are still very strong. So that network is actually a very interesting network where people can kind of come together and like chat with one another. And I mean, on my end, I have a group chat of people and it's like six people who have all left the agency and they're all in different areas and whatever. And we, we chat every day. So, I mean, there's that aspect and then there's, you know, mentors from college and things like that, that I don't really talk to as much, but I know, that they're there if I needed them at any point. Um, and I've reached out to a couple for various different initiatives and things like that. And it's just, people are just very willing to jump into things, especially if it's for a good cause. So there's various different levels of that. But yeah, I mean, 
for the most part, as much as possible, trying to keep in contact with people is definitely a good thing. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I love that. I think it comes for me, it's a natural thing. It's not something I, it's a natural thing yet. It has to be honed. For example, I have gotten in a very big habit, which I didn't do for the longest time, but if somebody popped in my head, I now automatically reach out to them that very same day because there's a reason that somebody popped into your head and wow, every time I do it, there's something going on with that person. And they're like, how did you know to call me today? I, was, I don't, but if you pop in my head, something put it there. So I think it personally and professionally, that's just a great habit to get into. And especially keep those contacts that when people move back and forth or in flux, you learn so much from everybody else's experiences and they've pivoted. Yeah, 100%. And there's always like that good flow of communication where it's like, hey guys, that something like this is happening to me in this new industry that I'm in. Have you ever experienced it? And it's like, yes or no, it then at least gives you the insight like, hey, something like this goes on sometimes. Like, what do you do in that situation? So like you said, that open communication, just back and forth, or, you know, somebody pops in your head, reach out. Like, what's the worst that happens? They don't reply. Like, exactly. <laughs> it won't affect anything. Exactly. So when you entered, one of the things in doing homework about, about NEON and is that the diversity there and the inclusion just seems to be a, a hallmark of how they conduct their, their business. So I'm curious, was that something when you started that was there or does that, has that been something that's evolved a little bit over the passage of time? I honestly am not sure. I think I haven't. I haven't noticed. So I would say that it's probably been there, you know, the whole time. Um, like I have, I didn't walk into work one day and be like, whoa, everything's different. So I think it's either been very gradually, you know, continuing to do great things and be inclusive, diverse, both in ideas and demographic and things like that. Um, but I mean, the one thing that like, I think is really amazing about probably advertising in general, but neon as well is like, when you pull people from all different walks of life, you get so many different ideas, you know, and you get life experiences and you get their stories and their backgrounds, kind of like what you're doing here, where, you know, you talk to so many different people, you're going to learn so many different things. And you, unfortunately for advertising, you can leverage that and tell your story, <laughs> do whatever it is. But I think it's, it's that kind of diversity of ideas also that is so strong at Neon, especially where it's like, Every day we have new hires and new people, and it's just kind of a constant flow of life experiences and things like that that are just really incredible. Tell me, how has it been for new hires? Is there a difference in just because they're they're coming in and not experiencing that culture? And I think that's one of the things, one of the in veering off about being intentionally fearless, it's how you show up not only personally but professionally. And so in the workplace now that there is hybrid or there is always constant direct uh, or remote work how do you how have you seen new hires adapt to not having to be in an office and not experiencing that kind of culture that would be inclusive and diverse I think honestly it's probably very I can't speak for them but I would say that it's probably really hard and I know that neon does its best and the IPG network as a whole I assume does its best to really put on as many like happy hours events, you know, depending on what department you're in, there are events every week. That's like every Thursday we have essentially like a kind of a talent show for the art side of things where somebody will come in and talk about things that they do. Like last week we had somebody talk about how 
they combine their love for dance and their love for painting and it's like things that they put on and they put on events in the city and stuff like that so things like that I think are super helpful but I think that there definitely is probably a lack of ability to just you know walk past somebody's desk and say hey like I'm new what's your story things like that um one thing that's a really awesome program that we do at Neon is it's like buddy program so yeah we actually have a new hire that started this week and I'm her buddy so I wish I've been chatting with her all week and it's like any questions that she has, any things like that, we talk about it, we chat about it. So it's not really her going to her manager, or her direct report. It's more of a friendship that's like forced initially and generally. <laughs> work out. Um, so at least there's that, you know, at least, you know, somebody and then you go on to your team meetings and you can kind of like go on camera and see people. But I'm sure that it is probably really tough, like starting a new job in a new industry, not really knowing anybody and working from home. Um, but I think that's also, you know, something that Unfortunately, we're going to have to navigate and figure out, um, especially if people don't go back to work. I mean, when I'm traveling, one of the things that I do to try and make sure that I have some social interaction every once in a while is like I work from a coffee shop and it's very simple. But a lot of times, like, you know, old people come in on a Thursday morning at 10 a.m. and they come sit next to me and I'm like, hey, how's how's it going? You know, right. and even if it's not in your own industry or like directly with work people, it's just getting out of your house and like having an interaction and being socially adjacent to somebody, you know, so that yes. I would say definitely, definitely try and do things like that. <laughs> I love that. That was going to be one of my, my questions is when you're on the road, how do you, how do you make <laughs> friends and how do you make connections? Cause I've learned through the, through the pandemic that actually my go-to is being an extrovert. But when I had to spend so much time alone, I kind of like being alone. But now it's morphed into this thing of like, oh, I need to be around people. So I, I'm wondering how you do that when you're traveling. Yeah, my mom always says that I am an extroverted introvert, which I think is just most people, to be honest, in some way, shape or form. Um, so I love my solitude. Like I have a book with me at all times. I could read through the Thanksgiving dinner and like not be bugged by anybody with like chaos going on in the next room. Um, so like that's my go-to setting. But when I'm in a group of people that I'm comfortable with, that I'm friends with, like small groups, whatever, I'm like, so I, I'm happy to have so much fun and like chat and be loud and whatever and make crack jokes. So I think that there's like a little bit of a dichotomy there. Um, and that's definitely hard in a different way when I'm away, because my, like I said, my go-to setting is to be alone and to read my book and to like stay inside and be comfy and warm. So it's a weird kind of duality where I'm forcing myself to go out and try new things. But part of me, like half of me is like, I'm good. I don't need to talk to anybody. And the first like state or so that I went to, I was just kind of home or at a coffee shop working and like, didn't really talk to anybody. And I was like, I'm missing out on so many things by doing that. And that's kind of how I started to convince myself to like, go just strike up a conversation with a cashier or a barista or whatever it is, like little things here and there every day. That's like, yeah, it gets me out of my comfort zone a little bit, but it also helps me learn about what's going on in the state, what these people's lives are like, yeah. their stories and things like that. So definitely it's like a little bit of a pushing yourself to really get out and talk to people. Um, but I mean, the benefits definitely outweigh any like social <laughs> awkwardness or uncomfortableness that might arise from that. And like you learn so much about people and you meet so many interesting people and hear so many crazy stories along the way. So <laughs> I I love that. I I think that I was at a at a family dinner and um I actually became really, really great friends um 
that morphed into more than friendship with a gentleman that was going to school um, and was Ubering just to make extra money. But the first time that I brought him to dinner, my kids were like, you're bringing the Uber driver to dinner? And I said, well, yeah, but it's more than that. Like, you really think I would just bring a stranger to our family dinner? And they're like, yes, because you've done that before. <laughs> yes, we are thinking that's what, what you do. And so, but that's, I, that's, that's, again, if you're wired that way, sometimes I still have to push myself out of the comfort zone, but I love that that's how you're meeting people because everybody has a story. And I think when you authentically invest in somebody, they're like, oh, they they respond. I mean, sometimes you get a creaky person, but those people are, that's something that's going on in their life that they're unable. It's not a direct reflection at you or for you. And it's not really a direct reflection of how they might be in real life. It's just, hey, at that moment, they weren't ready to give or receive. But um, I'm, I'm curious, you mentioned your mom talking about you being an extroverted introvert. How do you think your friends would describe you? Do you think that that your friends would describe you as that? Or do you think it would depend on what era of your life we were talking to? I think it's definitely dependent on what era. Um, <laughs> and that's not to say that like I have friends specifically in this category and friends specifically in this category, which I do. But for the most part, there's a pretty good flow of people. Mm-hmm. Um, but I definitely have like my childhood friends, my high school friends and my college friends. And I'm still friends with like, individuals from those groups along the way which is you know how life goes um I think if you asked my childhood friends they'd say that I'm like loud and bossy probably (laughs) uh if you asked my high school friends they'd probably say I'm sarcastic and maybe difficult you know going through the high school years was always always fun um and I think if you asked my college friends they'd probably say I'm you know it's they'd probably be nicer about it it'd probably be like I'm more supportive and like a leader or maybe something like that or like outgoing um so again I think it just kind of depends on what era you've caught me in in my life uh we all go through <laughs> various changes of attitude and things like that but I think there's definitely the overarching thing would be probably you know funny hopefully at some point but creative um and hopefully somebody that they can go to if they ever need anybody so um, just being like a little bit of a support for people, but for the most part, probably just their fun friend that's off doing crazy things. And every once in a while, we'll come back to town and try and wrangle them for dinner. So <laughs> you know, that works. That works. I'd love to talk about as you're establishing yourself and, and knowing how you've morphed over time and different people and based on eras would describe you differently in your career at Neon. Have you seen that as well? And so it's a two-part question. Um, and how do you get to decide what projects you're working on? Because I'm curious as the way you navigate friendships, does that in the advertising world, can that sometime lead to particular projects that you get to work on? And do you have a choice in that? So yeah. let's let's address that a little bit. Definitely. I think that it's it's a very similar thing, you know, like different eras of your life as a whole can be distilled down into a year or whatever it is. Um, I think if you asked my IP friends back in the day, they'd be like, oh, she's very organized. She's very type A, whatever. Sure. Probably true. Um, And if you asked my creative friends now, they'd probably say there's a thread of that still, but it's more like, you know, we spend most of our days brainstorming, concepting, making brochures and things like that. So there's definitely Um, more of a duality now as to what you get to do during the day. Um, So I think 
if people were to say, you know, what, what is Morgan like, they'd probably say a little bit of both, which is good. Um, and then when that comes to kind of what projects you get to work on, it's a lot of it, um, a lot of it, like day-to-day -day brand work and things like that is very block and tackle where, you know, going into the day, you're going to be working on an email, a website, a brochure, whatever it is for your client. And across the board, most clients do the same things. Um, then there's also, you know, sometimes we'll pitch for new business or we'll do concepting or brainstorming for new like campaigns that are rolling out. And that's kind of the more fun, like high level stuff. Um, <laughs> every job has both aspects of that. So right. that's kind of what we look forward to during the day, but it also depends on what you're pushing in that aspect of it, at least it's kind of depends on what you're pushing yourself to get into. So there's, you know, if there's a lot of like side projects and things like that, that are floating around in the agency at all times, there's a newsletter, there's a XYZ, there's a pro bono thing going on. If you raise your hand and say, Hey, I want to get involved with this. Nobody's going to be like, no, this doesn't suit you, whatever, you know, there's a very open door. Like, yeah, even if this aspect of it isn't perfect for you, let's pull you in and we can figure out what works. So there's a lot of that going on as well, where um, there's kind of like a bunch of different segments of work that happen at all times. And you just kind of have to figure out if you want to do the minimum, which is, you know, a lot anyway, that's cool. If you want to go above and try your hand at other things and reach into different departments, then yeah, like nobody's going to slap your wrist and tell you not to do that. So Neon's pretty good about supporting its people. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Okay. So what are you working on now that's big and bold in your life or quiet and uh, the introverted side of you? Yeah. Uh, well, big and bold is the big news from today is one of our campaigns just launched, which was very exciting. Um, we've talked about it briefly before, I'm sure, but uh, the project that's near and dear to our heart is our domestic violence awareness campaign that's going on across the country. Uh, we had our first installation of it in February, I believe. And then have been working diligently behind the scenes to get the next installation out. Um, and that officially launched today. So we are in billboards across America, which is amazing. And this, this installation of it is feeling small, kind of getting at that, that nuance of domestic violence where nobody should make you feel small. And it's kind of that feeling of being made to feel less than, or maybe a little bit belittled or whatever it is, and trying to, to get at that aspect of things and hopefully connect with people who might not really identify with the standard view of what abuse might be. So we're not really showing any like battered women or anything like that. It's more so the art of the campaign and that feeling behind it. So that's really huge for us that it's officially out there today across the country. Um, and we're just like super stoked about that. Um, excited to keep that initiative rolling. Um, so from a, from a business and a neon perspective, that's the big one that's going on. And then from a Morgan perspective, I'm kind of taking a little bit of a hiatus on my traveling and all that good stuff and going to be home for the holidays for the next two months or so. So I'm excited to spend some time with family and uh, see my friends again. I haven't seen them in a while and maybe pop in and out of New York and chat with some work friends and stuff like that as well. So big things and small things going on right now. <laughs> I love that. I love that. So in the project that's launching, talk to me about how you decide to tap into every possible way a person can get access to help. Yeah. So our, our big thing right now is our website, which is like kind of, I mean, it's, it's 100% a group effort on our side, on the neon and everybody else's side of things, but it's kind of like my baby where I, I was 
placed in charge of it, maybe unwillingly at first, because none of us <laughs> had really website design experience. And we were just kind of like, somebody's got to do it. So um, <laughs> from there, that. it's become my child that I've taken um, great pride in. <laughs> and um, that's kind of like the the cool thing about this campaign beyond like the art of it all, is that this is a kind of a new thing that nobody's really done before, where it's a website that will drive you to the resources that it are very specific to your situation. So it's, you know, people who maybe are not sure what their situation is, then there's resources for those people that explain what abuse is and what control is and all these things. And then there's people who are further along in the process and know that something's off and something's not right. And it gives them resources um, to figure out how to get out, how to find help, how to find a shelter, things like that. Um, and then on the other side of it, there's, we're calling it a decision tree, by the way. So it's, you know, you click one button, it drives you to the next page. You click another button, it drives you to the next page and so on and so forth until you get to that resource. Um, and on the other side of it, it's uh, more about how you identify. So we have resources for immigrants, for LGBTQIA plus people, for um, people who maybe are medically disabled and so on and so forth. So each one of those kind of decisions that you can make to identify yourself or your situation will then drive you down <laughs> to a resource that then will hopefully help you either understand what you're going through or get you out of this situation. And in no way are we trying to force people to like identify in a certain way or get out or do anything. We're just hopefully giving them the resources that they need if they make that decision themselves. Um, and we're partnered with Safe and Harm's Way and Domestic Shelters, both organizations that are full of knowledge and support systems. And we pretty much drive to both of those websites for various different um, of the decision trees. And we, we're we just really excited to be able to even just get this out there to get people hopefully aware. And if not aware, then get those resources in their hands directly, which is very cool. Excellent. So I want to pause and I want to have you tell people how they can access that. But mm -hmm. I also we have a few more minutes till our next break. Um, because I don't want anybody to be waiting as they are now as I speak um, since they, oh, wow, how do I access that? So let's talk about that. But then also talk to me about the safety features because you know if someone's looking for help and they're being monitored on, they it could put them at additional risk. So how do people find this service? And also what are the safety features you put in? Cool, yeah. So the website right now is feelingsmall.com and it's feeling like F-E-E-L-I-N-G with a hyphen and then small.com. Um, and that will direct you directly to our page. Um, and the page, we worked pretty hard to try and figure out a way, like you said, to keep it agnostic in terms of what you're looking at. Um, so, you know, you go to this website and it's just kind of like mostly white, like little, little decorations here and there, lots of copy that then connects you to where you're coming from. But for the most part, that was done. So if you do have somebody over your shoulder looking at what you're looking at, it just looks like a pretty benign website. It doesn't really have specific, like, this is domestic abuse, like giant headers or anything like that, you know? So it's kind of like keeping it low-key, keeping it subtle, keeping it not unnerving for anybody going to this site. And then beyond that, we definitely went out of our way to try and figure out some safety features. And we, we picked out some up from existing websites, like the hotline and things like that, that we thought would be really instrumental here in making making sure that people are safe. Um, so one of those is this Xbox <laughs> that floats along with you. It has a little notification when you get to the site that what this is. And essentially, if you double tap the escape key or if you hit that X, it'll automatically redirect you to a Google page that's just like a very benign Google page. I think it's the home page. So that's pretty cool. It's like, oh, it's just a very quick escape key feature. 
Um, so again, somebody walks in behind you, you just tap that button, you're gone. Um, the other thing is that on the site, there are cookie, there's a cookie policy that if, if accepted, will lock you out of the site for 72 hours after you accept it if you exit the site. So those two things combined are kind of interesting where if you hit the escape key, you're gone. And then somebody comes up and tries to hit back to refresh the page, they can't get back in. Um, so hopefully there's a little element there that gives people some time to figure out, you know, if they are in a very dangerous situation, what their next steps are without anybody coming up behind them to figure that out. Um, and there's just like little things here and there like that throughout the site. So, I mean, one of the one of the links drives you directly to a link out to the hotline, things like that, um, that are mostly there just to really try and give people some time, especially in a very like nerve wracking situation, but also hopefully subvert that in and of itself. And part of that is with, like, like we said, with being campaign agnostic um, and kind of having a benign um, URL, which is feeling small, you know, nobody really knows what that means exactly. So all those things combined, we're hoping to keep people safe. <laughs> I love that. I love the, just the investment that you've placed in that to keep survivors safe is, is vital because once somebody realizes that they need those kinds of assistance, it's hard enough to figure out when you're dealing with a trauma brain, well, what do I search for? Yeah. Um, and then to make sure they're safe in that search is vital as well because they might not ever go back to searching again if they felt unsafe in the experience. So kudos to all of you for how you've how you've navigated that and how you've you've pulled off this once one of a kind, uh, never before done uh, website, and that is feeling-small.com. So thank you for that. We're coming up on another break in about a minute. So, and what I'd love to do when we come back is talk about the pro bono work that the agency does. How do they decide? How do they approach? Do they get feedback from other employees? Because I'm curious as to how that evolves in an agency, because I imagine you all are terrifically busy that it doesn't stop. And then this is all done on top of it. I'm not imagining they go, okay, you know what? You're going to spend 30 hours of your billable hours on our paying customers. And then you're going to spend 10 hours a week <laughs> on not things we can't get paid for. I can't imagine that that's what they do. So um, I'd love to talk about that when we come back. Uh, Kate is going to take us out um, for this next break. And you're listening to Carolyn Markle Hammond on the Intentionally Fearless radio show, which is an episode of Every Woman held on KKFI every third Saturday of the month at 3 p.m. Central Time. So thank you, Kate, for taking us in and out of each segment here at the Intentionally Fearless radio show. This is Carolyn Hammond, and I am talking to Morgan Mellis from NEON, and she is the art director. Is that right? I want to make sure. I keep wanting to say yeah. producer. Is it art director? Art I, producer? Used to, I used to be a producer, and now I'm an art director. So okay, so maybe that's right. Okay, okay. Um, with NEON, which is an IPG health company, um, Morgan's been talking to us about the biggest campaign they've launched um, and it launched today. So they're talking about the campaign that it directly addresses the ability for men, women, people of color, uh, people in the LGBTQIA community, folks who are medically disabled, maybe English as a second language. All of those dynamics are very different in how people navigate abuse. So Morgan and her team at NEON have come up with this incredible opportunity for people to find help. And it's called Feeling 
small, but you find the website at feeling and then dash small.com. So Morgan, when at Neon, when you're making these decisions, because I know it all comes down to billable hours, yeah. <laughs> how do you navigate that? And how does Neon choose which pro bono work and, and area that they want to get into and use their time, talent, and skills to address? Yeah, it's it's actually interesting. I'm sure other agencies do it differently, um, but how Neon works is it's actually, for better or for worse, a little bit of like a competition, um, which oh. is kind of fun. So it gets the creatives going and gets the minds uh, spinning, but every quarter or so, it, it's been off and on with COVID, but every quarter or so, we're supposed to come to this, we call it a Blue Bash. So it's a Blue Bash event with a team and it's supposed to be a team integrated throughout all the different um, departments within the agency. So you want like an account person, a copywriter, art people, and everybody's supposed to come together in these teams and pitch ideas. Um, So there are prompts that are specific to clients that we already have, but then there's usually like a a moonshot prompt, which is just something that you might be passionate about or something that might be inspiring to you or an issue that you see in the world that you have a solution for. Um, So this project initiative uh, specifically was pitched think like three years ago now, um, oh, wow. a few years ago. Um, and it was about, you know, domestic violence and secret things going on and how to like spread the word and things like that. And then um, from there, different partnerships developed. We met Safe and Harm's Way crew um, and we worked with domestic shelters. And through that, we, we got this billboard project going on um, and it sort of just got legs and went from there. So we actually won the Blue Bash initially to get this project off the ground, which is pretty cool. Um, and it's, you know, it's had so many iterations and changes since then, but that's kind of like how, it, how the main flow of how you would start a, a pro bono project works. You kind of have to really believe in it and pitch it and make sure it makes sense enough to really get it off the ground. And from there, you hopefully would then start pushing it, pushing it, pushing it, get some funding and go from there. Um, but, you know, a lot of them don't make it, unfortunately, a lot of them need some tweaking and then eventually get off the ground and get to go. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's definitely a labor of love because it's not our real job, quote unquote. So it definitely usually always has to come second to that. So some days get long. Um, we always have to be billable first and then we get to do our non-billable projects. But I mean, for an initiative like this, it's a hundred times worth it. Like we would add two extra weeks onto every day if we had to, to get things out the door. So it's like, it's, it's just a matter of figuring out again, how to be adaptable, how to balance both sides of your life, how to figure out how to do your your brand work and then pull in your passion project and get it done and out the door. Um, and this is one, I mean, Neon's had a few, but this one's pretty big for us where, you know, this is something we actually got off the ground from nothing, got it out the door. And now it's nationally across the country in thousands and hundreds of placements. So, I mean, if it speaks for itself, hopefully we'll continue to get the funding and the backing to keep it going. So can't complain about it. <laughs> I love that. Now, does in the process of this, how do you navigate tooting your own horn to the mothership? You know, you're doing these things outside of billable hours. And at some point, I'm wondering if there's this little fear of, well, if they can do all that outside of billable hours, what if we just made them bill all the hours for the clients we already have? So, what do you do to manage your managers and even on <laughs> up the food chain to get the recognition for for what you're doing as the pro, pro bono work and how do you keep that front and center so I'm thinking 
award applications and 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 industry applications that far operate outside of what you normally do. So how how do you one navigate up the chain this pro bono work and and get the recognition that it deserves so that you can keep doing the work? Yeah, I mean the good thing is that it kind of folds in on itself a little bit where it's like we've gotten the recognition now. Well, we've we've passed the big hurdle where we, you know, for the last uh, version of this campaign, we did win an MMM award, which is awesome. So we got a little bit of recognition out of that. And, you know, that's definitely looked favorably on in the agency. So like we definitely were able to kind of back ourselves up and be like, yeah, all this extra time that we're doing is worth it. And you should keep investing in us, which is great. Um, and this is the, the, always the challenge with pro bono, I think across the board, it's, you know, how, how do you balance applying for awards for something that's really, really like near and dear to your heart? Does it cheapen it at all? And like, the answer has to be no to some, at some point where like, you have to be able to apply to like, get the grant to get the award, whatever it is. And then that then turns around and will support you for getting more funding, for getting the next project off the ground and things like that. So there's that aspect of it, which is awesome. Then there's the other, like you said, the managing up aspect of it, um, which I can't speak for other agencies, but so far Neon has been awesome with um, my manager specifically, who's also Sam's manager, which is funny, um, is really good about when we're like, hey, we need to be out because we need to go to Times Square to go look at our billboards. That are Square. She's like, okay, yeah, that's, that's a good reason. You know, there's no real pushback for events like that, which is great. Um, and beyond that, it's like, a lot of it is just, you have to figure it out yourself, like figure out, manage your own time where I know that if I know that I'm going to be working till 6 PM on brand work, then I'll be like, okay, I got two extra hours today that I, well, not extra. I got two more hours today before I completely crash that right. I can not else out or if I have meetings every other half hour today I can fill the other gaps with x y and z like awards submissions and things like that that need to get done um I know on <laughs> the team for this initiative specifically we've had lots of times where it's like all right 4 p.m rolls around somebody will text the other person and be like hey do you have five minutes just to chat about this and then all of a sudden it's 8 p.m and we're still knee deep in submissions and things like that so at some point, like you kind of just know that there's going to be an ebb and flow of work and you deal with it, you know, <laughs> like you're going to get a vacation at some point, you're going to get a weekend, holidays are going to slow down, it's going to kick up again in the spring. So you kind of have to plan around it to some degree. So there's definitely a support from upper management, which is amazing. And we work really closely with Jesse Cates, who's um, the creative lead at Neon. And he's all about it. Like he's in a lot of our meetings, he's messaging with us on the side. He's like, Hey, do you need me to post on LinkedIn today? Things like that. Um, so we have that support, but then it's also managing yourself and figuring out what works for you and how you can get there. I like that. That's, and thank you for sharing that process with people, because I think it's important to know that much of what is being done, especially within arenas that are more I, I want to say soft skills, but kind of, you know, these are the more tug at your heart issues that when someone feels alone and as if they are all alone with no one to help, there's also a lot of people willing to step up and step in and say, we're going to figure this out. And sometimes just that method of knowing I'm not alone on this journey. I don't know who the people are, but I know someone is doing something in this allows people to do those searches that finds them the help that they need so that they can 
actually actively engage in this case in finding safety for themselves and their children and their pets. So it's an amazing evolution of this campaign. What part do you have coming up and will your role in that stay within the website development? Will it morph into another aspect of what you're doing with the next campaign? So it's a little bit of everything. It's funny because uh, like I've kind of taken on the website, at least speaking about it as if it's like my own, but there's so many hands in everything that we're doing. And like, it's actually kind of a iteration of what you just said about how you kind of find people in the woodwork that are working to get things done or that are trying to put out things for you. There's also the other side of it where it's like, we started this team as like three girls who had no idea what was going on. We never, we don't know how to build a website. Like we know how to design and that's about it. So it's amazing how many people within the agency and within, you know, the industry at large, like we've been working with Carioca, um, which is like a creative design agency that they do a ton of art and things like that uh, to bring this to life. But also like within Neon itself, we talked to our developer and we're like, hey, can we do something like this? And he's like, we'll figure it out. You know, so a lot of people are just so willing to just jump in on things like this. And whether it's for a day or two months or whatever it is, it's amazing that people are just willing to kind of put their own work to the side a little bit and then jump on in and then jump back out when they need it. Um, so there's definitely that aspect of just a helping hand at all times. Um, and I think for the next leg of this campaign, you know, it's already underway, which is awesome. So stay tuned for that. Um, we're, we're leaning to try and figure out more nuances of, of domestic violence and abuse and kind of getting at those under underlying emotions. Um, so the next one will definitely also be along those lines, just in a different artistic format and way. Um, and, you know, we're all going to be hands-on on all aspects of it. So a little bit of this and a little bit of that, but it'll get done. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing this process with us. I appreciate it today. Thanks for sharing yourself too, just your own evolution and your superpower of being both confident and adaptable. And I think those both feed into each other because having the confidence to be able to adapt means you do. And if you're afraid of failing, then then that's a little bit hard to pivot like that. So you're using your superpower to just create good in the world and to be your best self. So thank you for sharing that with us today. I appreciate it. No, thank you for having me. This has been great. I've been looking forward to being here. So I appreciate it. Well, it's such a pleasure to have you. And uh, so if you want to follow Morgan's adventures, it's Morgan Mellis, M-O-R-G-A-N-M-E-L-L-A-S underscore photography on Instagram. And then you can also follow everything at feeling-small.com to get access to resources. So this is Carolyn Markle Hammond. I'm signing off.